Welcome to the 169th episode of the Young Turf Podcast from the Viner Four Gate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're previewing the Terps home opener and homecoming game against the Minnesota Golden Gophers, giving you the Terps and the Pros Roundup and talking, uh, I guess, about Jarius Hamilton's waiver being approved with basketball season uh, about a month away. Yep, uh, got some. It's nice to have some variety, or at least a tiny bit of variety this week. But uh, we're still a ways away from our usual fall mega rundowns. Yes, we are. And before we get into that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a wedding, putting together a luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for to have a safe, event located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV and nationally today, you can contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Well, to start things off today, a brief news announcement. Football's third game of the season at Penn State will be aired at 3.30 Eastern time on Big Ten Network. Um, it'll be the second Big Ten Network game of the first three. Of course, this week's game against Minnesota will be on ESPN. Take that for what you will. Yeah. Uh, you know, Penn State probably going to be an 0-2 team. The Terps probably going to be 0-2. So, yeah, it slides right into the BTN slate. Uh, not too surprised about that. Nope, you really can't be. Um, the So let's just get our basketball stuck out of the way before we dive back into football, Mason. Maryland basketball receives a pretty big boost as far as uh, realistically you could hope for. Jarius Hamilton, the BC, com, or BC transfer, excuse me, finally received his waiver and will be eligible to play next season, which starts in only about a month. I mean... Maryland basketball still ain't looking great for next season, but this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it is, and and definitely um, a boost. Yeah, you're right to put it that way. Uh, it's it's needed if this team's going to make it. Hamilton gives them much needed size, even though he's not he doesn't play that big, but um, a guy that's going to be crucial for them if they want to make it to the NCAA tournament. If there is an NCAA tournament. Yes, that is true. As Mason alluded to, Maryland lost in the last 12 months or so. Both Mitchell twins, Ricky Lindo, Josh Tomaich, and Jalen Smith. That's almost all your front court minutes there, with the exception of uh, Dante Scott. So, certainly gonna, certainly gonna need him to perform well. And now, I guess you're expecting him to play the four, in addition to maybe playing the three. And just talking about this, Mason raises the question of who's going to play center. And some people have allo- allo- sorry, alluded to Joel Marriott taking a bigger role. Personally, not something I see working out too well. Well, I can see it working out well, Jordan. It's, will he be able to stay healthy? What kind of body type does he really have for this conference? Uh, I can see it, but it's definitely going to take a big step forward over last year. And of course, you have the grad transfer for Galen Smith, who wasn't the first, as uh, sorry, wasn't the Terps' first choice at 
in the grad transfer market, as I'm sure you remember, Mason, we were really going through some names every two seconds when yep. we were talking about who the first might snap up. Uh, Smith isn't, like I said, wasn't the first option, but we'll add that size at six nine. He and Hamilton, you're going to have to hope, are going to bring the needed reinforcements in. Yeah, they will. Let's get to the Terps in the pros, Jordan. Um, still kind of a, a lot of guys that aren't getting a lot of time. And that's to be expected. Most of the players in the NFL don't start, and that's not going to change for Maryland. Doing an alphabetical order this year just to make it a little bit easier on us. So with that in mind, our first trip will be Jermaine Kerr Jr., still rocking the blue and black in Carolina. Tied a season high with six defensive snaps in addition to 12 special team snaps and recorded a season high with two assisted tackles. He's still just in that depth role in Carolina, has not filled into the one spot, or sorry, the starting lineup in general after Luke Healy retired, but at least he's still getting on the field. Yes, he is, and, and quite vocal about the Terps on Twitter. Gotta love that uh, Jermaine Carter uh, loves to talk about his Terps. Yes, indeed. Uh, Byron Cowart has started every game he's played in this season after not playing much last year. Maybe something to do with the COVID opt-outs, but I don't remember uh, Patriots fans opted out, to be honest with you. Tied his season high in tackles with three, including two solos, and set a career high in stats played with 48, including 42 on defense. Come up is real for the ex-Maryland transfer. Yeah, uh, really nice to see Byron Cowart getting his run, but... I'm not going to say that it wasn't expected. I mean, Byron's the guy who's always had tremendous upside and really was, I think now when you go back and look at the tape, a key part to the Terps being able to compete uh, with his one year in College Park. Uh, Next up, Sean Davis, the uh, former Steeler turned former uh, football teamer back to being a Steeler. Played in every game this season on specials. Hasn't recorded a stat yet. Seems to be more in-depth than... Mason, you said this off air a while ago. It doesn't seem like he ever fully recovered from his injury issues that he incurred a couple years ago. Yeah, that big injury that knocked him out of the 28-19 season. Or 18 season. I'm not sure which one. Uh, Yeah, it has never gone away. Sean Davis never really developed into a big-time starter. But certainly, certainly... um, is a guy that's going to stick around in this league for, I would say, two more years. You'd hope at least. Uh, Stefan Diggs has, uh, to put it lightly, fallen off recently after a red-hot start to the season. Diggs has now two games in a row with under 50 receiving yards and hit his season low in yards per target this week with 4.3 against the Jets. I'm not sure what happened to the Bills' offense, but Stefan Diggs is kind of going down with the ship there. Yeah, Josh Allen separates his shoulder two weeks ago, and the whole offense has fallen off since. He's been limited. I personally thought that he should have been on the bench this past week against the Jets, give him some time to recover. But yeah, as you know, he he took that hit. Uh, it looked like a separated shoulder. The team never really confirmed that, but I think that you know all the insiders have been saying that. That's what occurred, and ever since then, he's been, you know, Diggs has been down with the ship, as Jordan just put it. Uh, Trey Edmonds back on the active roster after spending the first uh, six weeks or so on the practice squad. Played one snap, but active roster, just get that active roster check, Mason. 
Yeah, big time special teams guy. He'll land somewhere. He'll last in this league for a while uh, because he can give you, you know, some time at running back and and really, really is just a baller on special teams. And those guys are important and they'll stick around in this league for a long time. Another Terp in the Steel City, Derwin Gray, has appeared in two games this season. For those who don't know, um, with the new practice squad rules, you can appear in two games during the season without uh, burning your red shirt, so to speak, and being prone to the active roster, which is a change I like. Uh, he has appeared in the two games and is currently sitting in the practice squad. Hopefully he'll get his call up. Yeah, and he's kind of a tackle guard, valuable guy to have on a practice squad if you want to keep an offensive lineman and... I have a feeling that he's going to stick around. You know, he's such a high-motor guy, really, really positive personality, and teams look for that in, in young young players, especially um, if you're going to have to step in if there's injury. J.C. Jackson, for the Pats, has been playing extremely well this season, had a tackle and his third interception of the season, which is tied for the third most in the league in takeaways. Played a season low 50% of the snaps, but still got a pick, and... Look, he, um, I believe his rookie contract ends this season. J.C. Jackson is going to be a name to watch because he really has blossomed in the league. Yeah, he has. Really, really fits the uh, New England-type player. Hardworking guy, and, and he just seems to make it happen. Forces a lot of turnovers. Uh, his interception this week was kind of on a tip ball Hail Mary after uh, Cam Newton threw an interception near the end of the first half. But a guy that just has a nose for the football, you know, forced fumbles, interceptions. Uh, he, he's really been doing a lot this year. Uh, he had the game-winning pick week one and just been really solid all around. Moving on to another guy that's been really solid, Quentin Jefferson, another Buffalo Bill. Uh, he started four out of seven games, two tackles, while playing 54% of the snaps this week in what was an absolute weirdo of a game against the Jets. Yeah, that was a really bizarre game. And Quentin Jefferson... Uh, it's kind of secured his bag after moving on to the Seahawks in Buffalo. Played, like I said, four or like I said, four out of seven games is probably not what you wanted when you sign for a healthy amount of money in free agency, but he's still getting on the field. Uh, Ty Johnson on the other side of that game played for the Jets, released by Detroit after week five, uh, signed by the Jets in week six, and hasn't done much but returned kickoff for the Jets this week. He did that really well at Maryland, so hopefully he can stick around in the league as a kick returner because it's hard to carve out his role as a running back in this league, especially in depth positions, but everybody needs kick returners. Yeah, he's kind of gotten a bit of his shot in the Jet, in the Jets organization. Uh, he was waived one day by the Lions, picked up the same day by the Jets, so not a long uh, release period for Ty Johnson. He might get a shot. You know, Frank Gore's the lead back there, LaMichael P. Ryan. Uh, the backup, and then Ty Johnson kind of sitting in that third spot. Ty should get a shot. I, I don't really think P. Ryan's that good, um, but it's good to see him on specials. And he was just in such a crowded backfield after uh, the Lions opted to sign Adrian Peterson to go along with Kerryon Johnson and uh, DeAndre Swift from Georgia. And Ty's going to get a shot, and, and Ty's another one of those guys. High motor, positive energy, young football player. He should stick around for for some time. Uh, the, another Maryland running back, Anthony McFarland, saw action last week for five snaps, got one carry for six yards. Uh, as we mentioned last week, Antmac hasn't really seen the field a ton this season. He's in a very crowded backfield in Pittsburgh, so he might have to wait a year or two to really get his crack at it. Yeah, and, and it's good to see him in, in action. 
You know, he, he was inactive for, I believe, the first two games. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, though, for him. I think that he's got a high potential, like I think I said last week, as a one-cut back in this league, change of pace guy. And I think Pittsburgh, um, they're happy. You know, Snell and Connor are really good backs. They're really complementary to each other. McFarland's kind of the odd man out right now. Uh, DJ Moore is probably the most successful turf for how he will win turf of the week this week. His third straight week with exactly 93 yards, which is uh, bizarre, to say the least. Uh, also scored two touchdowns, was a beast on fantasy football for those who had him, such as myself. And is now seventh in the league in receiving yards with 567. It's going to be interesting to see, as Mason said last week, how he gets uh, mixed in with McCaffrey coming back in the next couple weeks. But that third straight week with 93 yards, that is an oddity to say the least. Yes, it is, and and DJ Moore is going to, as you just said, have to, they're going to have to find a way to keep getting him the football even once McCaffrey's back. He was off to a slow start this year, but he's really picked it up. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, kind of the only Terp, or the only Terp that's around here locally after a trade to Baltimore from the Vikings. He'll play his first game coming off the bye week for the flock, as Jordan puts it in our notes, um, against the Steelers. Yeah, I like the Fox name. Yeah, Yannick um, should clear Clever Protocol in time for the Steelers game this week. Well, Interestingly, he's practicing today. He, well, then he did clear it in time. Interestingly, uh, Yannick, despite growing up in the district, grew up a Steelers fan, so he's on the other side of the rivalry he grew up on, uh, which is interesting, at least a little bit. Hopefully, he will um, earn his payday with the Ravens because he got tagged and is still playing under sort of the tag. So he'll be in free agency again this summer. Yeah, and I think he'll continue to do what he's done every stop that he's been along. He's been a dominant football player. Uh, it kind of returns him to the Saxonville days with the kind of line that, that Baltimore has, again, playing with Calais Campbell. So now they got two members of that uh, one stout Jaguars defense that's turned into absolute uh, garbage that's a good way to put it yeah and you know it's it's gonna be another good situation for Yannick and and that's kind of what he was looking for and last but not least Darnell Savage oh sorry there's one more I missed that so Darnell Savage the safety first round pick in Green Bay has struggled a bit this season with injuries and consistency of play did not play this week due to injury uh he's after a really, really strong rookie season, he struggled to uh, keep it up this season. But the Packers are doing fine. Hopefully he'll get the ship right. Yeah, I think he will. Uh, and our final player, Josh Woods with the Bears, uh, he's, he's still there. You know, Josh Woods, a guy that I don't think many Maryland fans thought was going to make it into the NFL. He's actually converted to a middle linebacker. Uh, he's been getting a lot of special teams time, played 11 snaps uh, for the Bears on Monday night, and they got torched by the Rams. Yeah, I'm legitimately impressed with Josh Wood sticking around. You know that's all effort on him because he honestly did not play that well at Maryland, but he really worked his way onto the Bears roster as a special teams player, and he's still there. He's still doing it. And it is worth mentioning that Josh Wood, Darnell Savage, J.C. Jackson, I believe we're all in the same Terp secondary, all NFL players for multiple seasons now, and still just... Could not get it to work in Maryland, which is a bit frustrating in retrospect. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's 
it's not the best thing to look at, but, you know, they didn't have the pass rush. They just didn't have it. And, and that's kind of been the story, you know, when the Terps have one thing they haven't had in the complement complimentary item to the other, whether it's been secondary guys uh, with no pass rush or pass rush with a secondary that's hurting or, you know, great wide receivers without a quarterback to throw in the football. All right, well, I think they'll leave it there as far as Terps and the pros go. Well, I think there's just kind of some other quick notes here. There's a handful of Terps that transferred out of the program that are in the pros. Um, Jawan Winfrey's with the Broncos. I'm not sure how many of you guys remember him. Big recruit from Maryland out of New Jersey. He saw some time. Uh, Max Garcia is still in the league. I believe he's with the Cardinals now. He was uh, one of the Ralph Tarandi transfers out. Uh, Zach Kerr is still in the league, another, or maybe he's still transferred out while Ralph was still there. But yeah, a handful of guys uh, that transferred out of this program that are also in the pros that did see actual time on the field at Maryland. So not guys that were just here for one year and left, but guys that did did see some snaps for the Terps that are in the pros. So uh, before we dive into our preview for the Terps and the Gophers, a couple of notes in the Big Ten. Wisconsin-Nebraska canceled after Wisconsin suffered a uh, COVID-19 outbreak. Quite unfortunate after a very strong week one performance for them. That just really sucks, but it's kind of the reality of the season. Yes, it is, and um, we're just going to have to see how things progress. Um, Wisconsin set to play, I believe it's Michigan next week for the Badgers. No, nope, so. it's, it's the Huskers next week. No, that's this week. Oh, you mean next next week. Sorry, my bad, my bad, yeah. Yeah. So that would be a big one for the conference to miss out on. Obviously, every game uh, is kind of important here, really with there being no margin for error. You know, there's no bye week. Um, that ninth week is positioned for a game. So we'll see how it goes. You know, we'll, we'll see where, where things land um, and how these teams kind of recover and, and if they can get back on the field next week. Uh, the other two other games I'd like to mention, Rutgers-Indiana, kind of a low-key setting game now. Yeah, a game that was kind of positioned, another one that was positioned in that BTN spot because it probably wasn't going to be that good. Now, you know, somewhat considered one of the more important games in this conference for this week. Everybody wants to see it, uh, how these two teams will transfer on the next week. I think Indiana's going to roll them. You know, as, as we spoke about in the last podcast, yeah, Rutgers got a win, but they also got a win where they forced, you know, seven turnovers. We're handed the football a handful of times, and I just think that Indiana team played a much more full and solid game, even though they also should have lost. So we'll see. Um, Northwestern versus Iowa has been down to ESPN, probably because of Northwestern, let's be real. Yeah, certainly not because of Iowa, but uh, a lot of people, you know, what they want to see this Northwestern team play. Um and they're not a bad football team, I think, as we saw this last week. Really solid team uh, front to back. But I think it will show a lot about where the Terps are, along with their own game, about you know how Northwestern shakes out this week. And finally, Mason, the uh, de facto game of the week in college football this uh, particular week, Penn State and Ohio State. Penn State, you know, it was a really promising season for them going into it. Now it already feels like it's teetering on the edge. They might be 0-2 after this week. Yeah, and I think they will be. Ohio State, much more solid football team front to back. Penn State uh, kind of looks like the Penn State of days of old when they used to struggle a bit. Not great offensive line play at all. 
Uh, the quarterback a little bit shaky. They don't have a star running back. The other thing that they're missing is Micah Parsons on the defense. They just, they've been forced into some spots that, because of opt-outs and because of COVID, and just because, you know, Penn State isn't Ohio State. They're not Alabama. They're the tier below, and the tier below is affected when players leave. You know, they're they're not that, like, reload with five-star teams. They develop players. They're not a team that forces a lot of freshmen into play, and this year they have a corner uh, that's in that position. They have a few players along the defensive side of the ball. It's not the same Penn State that I think we saw the last few years. Uh, I'm taking Ohio State and Ohio State big. All right. Um, well, with that out of the way, Mason, Minnesota was a team that a lot of people had their eye on this season. A lot of people were really hoping that keep the good times rolling after a magical season last year. Really uh, got stomped this week. They'll be looking for some revenge against our Turks. Yeah, um, another team, and I'm not going to say they like Maryland because they don't have that many new players, but they have a lot of new players, especially on the defensive side of the football, and it showed last week. You know, Milton, the quarterback, the new quarterback in Ann Arbor, rolled them. And as I was talking to Bruce on the radio on Wednesday night, um, they were getting just cut through. You know, it was drive after drive, touchdown after touchdown for Michigan uh, to the point where P.J. Fleck tried a fake punt in his own territory. Uh, in Bruce's word, it's it's because, you know, you just had to do something because your defense wasn't giving you much. You try that kind of play. I remember Maryland did that against Penn State a few years ago. Th- that's generally a losing move. You know, when your defense is getting driven on, you're down by a lot to go for it. Uh, on a fake punt on your own territory is just generally that like last move before you fall off the face of the earth. Uh, the final score of this one, Jordan, I believe, forty nine to twenty four, and it could have been more. I mean, Michigan went for it late in the game on fourth down. Um, not a good showing by Tanner Morgan in the Golden Gophers. No, it was not at all, and a bit of a disappointment for a lot of people. Yeah, the Gophers struggled on defense. That really was the story of this game. They uh, only have five stars returning from a really good unit last year. They lost their um, superstar safety, Anton Winfield, who's the current front runner. last time I checked, on PFF for Defensive Rookie of the Year. That really hurt them bad. Now they're kind of just spinning. They really had a similar experience that we did in terms of rush, rush defense, allowing 256 yards on the ground. Obviously not what you want to see from your defensive front. But they're not a toothless team, especially in offense. Muhammad Ibrahim, their running back, was their leading rusher in 2018. Came out really strong last week with 140 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. And they also have their star receiver, Rashad Bateman, back, who cracked 100 yards despite the loss as well. But, look, this team put up 129 rushing yards against Michigan. Bate, uh, sorry, Ibrahim averaged almost six yards on the ground per carry. If they can, I mean, we saw Maryland try to defend against the running against Northwestern. Minnesota is a good rushing team still, and that has got to be bad news if you're uh, John Hoke right now. Yeah, it does, and and you got to look at how you can fix this, and I think Coach Loxley tonight talked about this, and this is Wednesday night when we're recording this. Uh, he talked about that tonight and, and a little bit on Monday afternoon in his media availability was they weren't, they didn't have the gap assignments right. And it's one of those things where you go back on film and it's adjustable. How adjustable? I don't know. You know, my rant on Sunday 
was a lot about the personnel, and I think that it still shows. You know, you have a guy like Amon McCullough who's out there who hasn't played much. Cortez Andrews, as high as a lot of guys are on him, he hasn't really played. You know, you're, you're forcing some players that don't belong in situations into them, and I think that will show again. You know, you're playing against a team that is massive up front. How you defend against that with the guys that we play with, the personnel that we play with, I'm not exactly sure. But I would love to see a 4-3 at some point. I would love to see a 5-2 at some point. Get your big boys up there because you're going to have to go head-to-head with these guys. They will run the ball straight at you. They're one of the few teams in college football that still does that. And you got to know, from last week, if they even turn on the tape, they're going to run a trap play off the right side of the line to the smaller side of Maryland, to the jack position, then reverse it the other way, pull the guard out into the alley, and they're going to get downfield on you if you can't uh, maintain your gap control. And I think for a guy like Ibrahim, who's in such a big spot right now. A lot of scouts are starting to tune into him. I mean, I think he's a fantastic back that's got a great future in the NFL, and I think he's going to run all over the Terps. Well, realistically speaking, it's hard to say otherwise. Minnesota does have um, defensive weaknesses to exploit. The biggest one, of course, is the run game. And you have to hit it with everything you have, Mason. How do you try to exploit this uh, defensive front the same way Michigan did? So here's kind of my key to the game. And I think it all starts with a quarterback, and I've talked about this a lot. And I'll get really into a direct answer to your question in a minute, Jordan. you got to take what the defense gives you. You know, I talked all offseason about how if we could just have a guy that could throw a slant pass, we would have been in some be- a lot better positions in these games. Lee has got to do that. You know, he can't risk the ball down the field. In a game like this, I look at the biggest key of, can I get to the 40-yard line before I punt? Can I, you know, play a field position battle game? Even if we're getting beat, let's not just get run over, turn the football over, and just keep getting up more points. Control the football, take what the defense gives you, get the ball in the hands of Jay Sean Jones, Dante Demas, and Brian Cobbs, and just play the game. You know, so much of what Maryland is supposed to be built on an offense is taking what the defense gives you, throwing checkdowns, and then lining up the shot play. But it's not to turn the football over, and Coach Loxley's been really clear about that. On how you will expose this defensive line, you got to look at a little bit of what Northwestern did uh, as far as shotgun running is concerned. Get out into the alleys, get your uh, offensive lineman into the second level. And then my other key is, even though Minnesota's a really solid team, run the ball straight at them. You know, you got a lot of strength with Branch, Johnny Jordan, and Marcus Minor, you're weak on the outside. Your tackles are your weak points. Run straight up and down and give give the ball to number 13, and if Tayon Fleet-Davis plays number 8, you know, Boone and Fleet-Davis are some big boy running back straight at them. you, you got to run the ball straight at this defense, and, and I think that's a play that's going to be lacking in Maryland's system because uh, when I think about both the Coach Loxley's tenures here, meaning his offensive coordinator won into last year where he became the head coach, they haven't had a lot of plays where they run the ball straight at somebody. You know, but your quarterback lined up under center. I like that look. And, and just run a more pro-style offense, you know. Execute on what you can do. And, and I really like the halfback dive as simple as it is. And and as uh, dull, I feel like, in the era of the RPO, running the ball straight at somebody is still a really effective way to get some yardage. All right, Mason, not actually done yet. But I do have to throw this out there while we're talking about Maryland versus Minnesota. The line for this game is 20 points towards the Gophers, which is uh, quite embarrassing considering that we lost, they lost with 25 last week. Who are you taking on the line? 
Because I like straight Minnesota. up, I mean, it's oof. Yeah, I, I do like this Minnesota team. I think they're going to execute much better than the Terps. I think they're further along in their program development. And you know, one of, one of the things that you got to remind people is, and, and as negative as I've been towards this coaching staff is, look at where Minnesota was. I mean, I think the Terps beat them like forty-two to seventeen. Um, in PJ Flex first year it was an absolute blowout. Maryland got like a pick six or two. Um, really ran the ball all up and down on Minnesota. Um, I just think this Minnesota team's much more solid. They're much more built out. They're, they're they've recruited to a goal, and they've kind of reached that goal in a way. You know, they have a lot of big offensive linemen, uh, a lot of guys that can, you know, be physical football players, and they have an amazing running back and a and a fairly good quarterback. You know, and, and they've done a lot of. I, I want to say what DJ Durkin did at Maryland. You know, they have these big wide receivers. They have kind of like the David Summers, a guy that I don't think a lot of Maryland fans will remember, type quarterback, big uh, pro-style quarterback. They have big targets for him to throw the football to, and then they have really, really physical running backs. You know, and that's something that the Terps had. Uh, Ibrahim's kind of like a more developed Javon Leak, and they're really just a hard-nosed football team. And Maryland, again, I said this before the Northwestern game, Maryland sucks against hard-nosed, tough football teams. You know, they're just terrible against them, and I think this is going to be another instance of that. A quick fact check on you there, Mason. Uh, Minnesota in Flex first season lost to Maryland 31-24. The next year, though, Maryland beat them 42-13 before uh, that game last year. And I do want to talk about the game last year this week because that, for a lot of people, I feel like was a real uh, punch to the gut when the Terps just got manhandled in TFC Bank last season. What was, what did you think after that game? Because that was a pretty big one in the season as a whole, I feel. Yeah, it was one of those games where you're like, um, you, you don't really know what to think after. I mean, that's Minnesota that you just got rocked by, but Minnesota was a great team last year. You know, they had a really good year. We'll see how it looks in year two. Um, on how I felt, I mean, I think a lot of you know. You can go back and listen to the show. Jordan, you were there in person. Uh not one of the better Maryland games I think you've been to. No, I it wasn't. And, yeah, to be fair to everyone, we didn't know how good Minnesota was going to be last year. I think they knew how good they were going to be last year when that game happened. I think they were just 5-0, and but they beat some cupcakes. And that just really was a tough one to swallow. And I think that was when a lot of people lost faith in the team last year and possibly when the team lost faith in themselves. This one that has a completely different vibe around it. That's kind of the point I wanted to get to, where you almost feel like this game is not worth playing. No one, I don't think anyone really thinks Minnesota is as bad as they played last week. At least I don't think so. I haven't seen many people that do. And I think Maryland is as bad as they played last week, unfortunately speaking, which is why, as you said, Mason, you kind of want to pick Minnesota in the, on the spread there because that's what most people think. Those two things combined don't mean very good things for the Terps. And you kind of get the feeling that Minnesota is going to wake up and smack the poop out of the Terps today, or sorry, not today on Friday night, but who knows? Maybe we'll get a rejuvenated Maryland team as well. Uh, any other points you want to hit today? Yeah, I think that this is really important as far as what Mike Loxley talks about. He talks about his team not giving up. He talks about how they're turning the culture around. This is kind of that game that you point to and say, have you really done anything here? You know, this is the game where if you have a coach, a, a motivator, you know, somebody that really gets it all out of everybody, you know, what Coach Loxley talks about he can do. 
this is where you got to go into that locker room into this whole entire week and say, kind of like just, you know, strap on your chin strap and hit somebody. Make something happen. You know, you talk about Maryland pride all the time. You talk about how, you know, you're changing things and how this team's going to change things. Show somebody that that's actually happening. And that's that's where I kind of look at this game as you got to go out there and you really got to hit somebody on like the first four plays of the game. You have got to make something happen. You have got to change the way you think. Because I feel like a lot of it's upstairs for these guys because they're not that bad. You know, you just said they're really that bad. There's almost no way that they're that bad. You know, you got to have one of those plays where you make it work. I'll point to a game that kind of, that happened in. A few years ago, the Matt Canada year, Maryland goes on the road against Michigan. There's a rain delay. I believe they returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. They held that like 7-0, 7-3, 10-7 for about the entire first half. They ended up getting blown out because they really did not have a quarterback in that game. That's the kind of thing you need. And if it goes the other way, Minnesota takes the football, you got to nail somebody on that kickoff. Get a sack. Make it happen. Get off the field in three plays and get the football into your offense's hands. That's kind of my, like, you got to change it. you got to find a way, and you got to hit somebody, and you got to show that you're a, you're a big boy team. Because right now you look like the JV. So you got to go up there, you know, tighten your helmet, and nail somebody. All right, well, I think we should leave it there. It's a big week for the program as a whole. Let's, let's see what we got, Mason, because Penn State in a couple weeks, Penn State, I guess next week now, still doesn't look very um, welcoming, but who knows? Maybe we'll be one and one. Maybe we'll have more wins than them by next week. Who knows what will happen? What's your prediction as the Gophers come to College Park? Yeah, I'm thinking the Terps stick around for a a couple of minutes on this one, but the lead increases as the game goes on. Tarps lose by 21, um, 38-17. Well, I, admi- oh, I can't believe I'm talking about optimism. Jesus. Um, but I admire your, uh, I would say, optimism, Mason. I am going to say Maryland gets steamrolled by an angry Minnesota team. And loses forty-five to six. Yeah, I think you're a little bit overstating the angry Minnesota thing. KJ Flex is not an angry coach. No, but he is a. I don't even know what to call PJ Flex, Mason. I know you really don't like him. I'm not well, he's sure overly he's positive either. You know, he's a really positive he, he guy. Is, he's going to go look at he's that aggressively film and say, positive. You know, how did we not row the boat? And you know what? It works at this point. Props. I can't make fun of him anymore. It works. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't buy into his philosophy, but you know, I'm not I'm not putting on uh the golden M on my helmet. So his guys work. You know, it worked for him once. You know, I'm so quick and people are so quick with PJ Fleck because the ESPN loves him so much. Uh to say it, it worked. It really hasn't yet. Well, it worked for it, one it year. Worked, it worked twice. It worked at Western Michigan and it worked once in the Minnesota. We'll see if they keep it going because to be frank, Minnesota. If last week was any sign, 
I, they're definitely not as good as they were last year. Oh, I don't think it's a stretch to say, but a lot of people want Minnesota, or at least predicted them to compete for the Big Ten West this season. Or something I kind of did too. I, I was kind of, I liked Wisconsin, but I was kind of eyeing them as maybe a underdog. I certainly took a hit, but we'll have to see how many games Minnesota, or sorry, Wisconsin actually plays this year. Well, yeah, I mean, people kind of on that note, people want any team on that side of the conference to be good. Other than Wisconsin. People are just rooting. I mean, when Purdue beat Ohio State, everyone was like, oh, Jeff Brown, you know, just the same way they were about P.J. Fleck last year. They want somebody to be good on that side of the conference. That's not Wisconsin. And they want somebody to compete for a championship on that side of the conference. So it's not this one-sided um, kind of circus that it's been. Everybody's looking for somebody on the Big Ten West to be good. And, and I don't really think it matters which team. But then again, ESPN really likes this guy. And I'm sure on that broadcast on Friday night, it's all going to be P.J. Fleck, P.J. Fleck, P.J. Fleck. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. And, and just really quick, it's... going back to last week, hold on. Going back to last week. The guys that did the play-by-play. I mean, I, I know you run out of things that I've called games that have been blowouts. And I know you run out of things to talk about. But... I mean, just, it was just not good. It was not good. Well, I do have one other thing I want to talk about, which isn't really Maryland-related, but it's something I is near and dear to my heart. I do not know how I feel about ranking the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams in the top 25, even though the Big Ten's played. I mean, SEC, Big 12, and ACC, all the other conferences have played like five or six games now. It just feels wrong that Ohio State at 1-0 is ranked higher than Notre Dame who's 4-0. It just doesn't feel right to me. And maybe it's just a me thing, but that's just kind of what... I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, Mason. I, I don't think the Pac-12 team should be ranked. I don't think the Big Ten team should have been ranked before they start playing, but now they're playing. They have games on tape you can judge off of those, and, and uh, I think Ohio State looked really good. Oh, that's a fair opinion. And I think maybe it should just be wait till they play because half of playing six games. I still can't believe they're playing. Might as well just give up at that point. But what do I know? I think we'll leave it there, Mason. Yeah, I think that's a good spot to leave it. And as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors and you guys for listening. Uh, Viner Four Gates in Rockville for all of your business IT needs, managed services, uh, remote support. Viner Four Gates, your place to go. You can reach them at 301 251 2900 or on the web at the number one Viner. Dot com and Ally Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Uh, to keep your events safe, you can have it outside with an Ally Party Rentals tent. Uh, you can visit them at AllyPartyRentals.com. Uh, tune in to our podcast. I guess that will be out on Saturday or Sunday morning uh, after the Terps. You know what? Let's just say it. Hope they win and hope we got something positive to talk about. Or let's say, say I hope they compete. And that's another one that's kind of tough to say considering the fact they're playing Minnesota. But we'll be here with your post-game coverage. And as always, thanks for listening.